This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We'll be focusing on words from Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, or 10,000 talents in the original, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Be patient with me, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, a hundred days' wages. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would open up our hearts, our ears, that we would receive whatever you want us to know and believe. Help us to receive it, to to let it change us, and then help us to live out whatever you want us to do. And don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of your kingdom. In your name we pray, amen. Have you been praying the Lord's Prayer more recently? A couple weeks ago, I preached a message on how we want to have worship over worry. And in that text, it said that Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And I said, one of the best ways for us to seek God's kingdom is to pray the Lord's Prayer 
throughout the day. Hope you've been doing that a little bit more and hope that's been a blessing to you. And, and I've been trying to pray the Lord's Prayer more and more throughout the day. But you know, there's one line in that prayer that always seems to trip me up. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I think I would have preferred another way to, to, to pray that prayer. I would have preferred that Jesus would have said it a different way, like, Forgive us our sins and help us to forgive other people. But that's not what it says. You know, you could go back to the traditional version of the Lord's Prayer. Maybe that's how you grew up. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It says basically the same thing. You go back into the Greek and I've looked at the Greek in this lesson and in this text and, you know, forgive us our sins just as we forgive those who sin against us. You can go anywhere you want, any translation you want, and it says basically the same thing. Jesus is teaching us to pray in a way that holds us accountable to forgive other people. Jesus is telling us to pray this strange prayer that we're saying, Lord God, treat me as I treat other people. Forgive me in the same portion as I forgive other people. And, and that leads me to ask the question, you know, why is Jesus trying to lead us, put this on our mouths, that we are trying to hold ourselves accountable to forgiveness? We're continuing this sermon series called Renewed. And today what we're focusing on is forgiveness over revenge. Forgiveness over revenge. And the question I want to answer today is, why is forgiveness so important? And not just why is it so important in our relationships or why is it so important in our homes or businesses, but why is forgiveness so important to Jesus? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to Matthew 18. I read to you from verses uh, uh, 21 through 35. But really, the whole chapter in Matthew 18 is this incredible teaching on the value of people, especially children, about sin and how to confront people on sin. And then this little section at the end about forgiveness. And when I originally wrote this sermon, I wanted to preach on the whole chapter because really you need to understand the whole chapter to see what Jesus is talking on. But there's just not enough time for that. And yet I think it's important that I give you a little bit of background leading up to this verse, this teaching on forgiveness. You see, right before this, Jesus says this. He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. And so Jesus is teaching, before he talks about forgiveness, he's saying, if you see somebody that's caught in a sin, the loving thing to do is not to forgive right away. The loving thing to do is to go over and point out their sin. If somebody is walking away from God, walking off the cliff of their faith, they're, they're walking away from God because they're walking into sin, the loving thing to do, if somebody's walking off a cliff, the loving thing to do is to tell them to Stop. And, and Jesus says, if you do that, if you, you tell somebody to stop sinning, you, you, you point out their sin, that's a loving thing to do. And if they listen to you, in other words, if they repent, you've won them over. And that's what this is all about, to be reconciled back to God and to be reconciled with each other. That's the goal. And yet we know that doesn't always happen. 
And so Jesus goes on to say, well, if they don't listen to you, then bring two or three with you. And if they don't listen to the whole group, then bring it to the church. And if they don't listen to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. In in Jewish culture, those are the unclean people. You would separate yourself from them. And so the loving thing to do if somebody is caught in an unrepentant, willful sin, the loving thing to do to show them the consequences of their sin is to separate from them. That's a loving thing to do. Now, the reason I'm talking about this before we get into forgiveness is because over the past years, past 10 years of my ministry, what I have found more than anything what I've seen over and over again is that manipulators, narcissists, and perpetrators, they love to use Jesus' teaching on forgiveness as a way to keep control. They they love to use um, God's word on forgiveness to keep validating or, or as a license to keep control, as a license to sin. And so what, I, what we need to do is, is if you're in one of those relationships where you're caught up with, with somebody who's a manipulator or a perpetrator, a narcissist, Jesus is saying, before we talk about forgiveness, go get help. Don't do this alone. Don't go alone. Get help from others. Get help especially from the church. And sometimes the loving thing to do is to separate yourself from a dangerous situation, from a sinful situation, to not give out forgiveness right away. But that's not the section that I read to you. I read to you the section about what do you do if somebody repents? What do you do if somebody changes? What do you do if they're not manipulating you? If they're not a narcissist, if they're not a perpetrator, they're not hurting you and not continuing to justify others. What do you do in those other cases? You see, because Peter is listening to Jesus teach and he hears Jesus say things like, if somebody sins against you and they repent and they listen to you and you've won them over and Peter's thinking, wow, how many times do we have to do this? Peter's married and I wonder if he's thinking, all right, if I sin against my wife and I repent, how many times does she forgive me? And if she sins and she repents, how many times do I forgive her? And then Peter, you know, he's with these disciples and when we read the, uh, the biographies about Jesus, the disciples are always getting these skirmishes and he's probably thinking, how many times do we got to go through this process where, where they wrong me and I forgive them and I welcome them back in? How often do we need to go through this? And so Peter asks the question. He says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? That seems like a lot. I'm already exhausted thinking about that. Jesus, is that enough? And Jesus responds, Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. As if to say in our our day-to-day interactions, you know, they sin and repent and they turn from their ways and we forgive. Like there's an unlimited amount of times that you can go through this process. Because that's how God works. Now, now Peter is kind of blowing his brain. He just can't imagine what this means. And so Jesus tells him a story. That's usually how Jesus explains things is through a story, a parable. And so he tells this story, he says, let me tell you how the kingdom of heaven works. Here's how the kingdom of heaven works, Peter. A certain king wanted to settle all of his accounts. 
And so he brought in one of the people who owed him a certain amount of money. And he said he owed him 10,000 bags of gold. It says in this translation, uh, literally 10,000 talents, which is a unit of money that our word talent comes from. And this is a huge amount of money. I looked at different commentators on this and they said he owed him about a thousand years wages. So this servant owed the king a thousand years of work. And the king says, pay me back. And, and this man, uh, he couldn't pay back. And so he says he was going to throw him in, or, or not throw him to, in, the, in the jail. He's going to send him off into slavery, him and his wife and his kids. And they would have to spend the rest of their lives working off their debt. When this man realized that he's going to have to working off his debt and his whole family for the rest of their life and probably for generations, he falls down before the king. He falls down and this is what he says. Be patient with me and I will pay you back everything. Be patient with me and I will pay you back everything. And then it says the king has pity on this man, on his servant. In fact, the the word in Greek is one of the few Greek words I know by memory, know by heart, because it's so fun to say. He shows splanknitsomai. And splanknitsomai is this this word that means he has this deep love from him down in his deep organs, way down deep in his heart, in his guts. He has this compassion for this man. He's got splanknitsomai for him. And so not only does he release him from slavery, he cancels the debt. And it says this servant now, he's he's been set free, him and his family, and the debt's been canceled. And, And it's very clear here. Jesus says, and he walks out of his presence. I want you to picture this man walking out of the palace of the king, walking down the steps, out the door, and what he sees walking in front of him is one of his fellow servants. And his fellow servant owes him, it says, a hundred bags of silver. In the original, it says a hundred denarii, which would be about a day's wages. He owes him a hundred days wages. So take whatever you make in a day and multiply that by a hundred. It's significant. It's a significant amount. It's not nothing. It's not 10,000. It's not a thousand years of wages, but a hundred days wages. It's significant. And so he's walking out of the king's presence down the, the king's palace stairs and he goes up to this servant and he chokes him. He, Jesus says he grabs him by the neck and says, pay me back what you owe me. And that man falls, his fellow servant, he falls at his feet and he says, be patient with me and I will pay you back everything. Be patient with me and I will pay you back everything. Have you heard that line before? And we're waiting for this servant to to show the same kind of splunknitsomai to his fellow servant that he had just received from the king. And we're waiting for him to to kind of pass it on, pay it forward, this, 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 this mercy and pity and compassion, but that's not what happens. He sends him off, but not even off to slavery where there's the potential to pay off the debt. He sends off the whole family to jail where there is no possibility. He shows vengeance. He's angry. There's injustice that he is. He's experiencing this injustice. So he sends him off to jail. Now the fellow servants, they hear about this and they they go tell the king. And so the king calls this servant into his presence and he said, 
you wicked servant. I canceled all of your debt. Why didn't you cancel the debt of your fellow servant who came and repented to you? Because you didn't, you're going to go to jail. And Jesus even uses strong language. You're going to be tortured until you can pay back everything. And then Jesus, he explains the meaning of this parable, the meaning of the story. Jesus doesn't always do this. Sometimes he just leaves it out there and lets us figure it out for our own. But here in this case, Jesus actually explains it. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Sounds a lot like the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But why, Jesus? Why do you have such high standards? Why are you leading us to hold ourselves accountable? Why why do we have to forgive other people as we have been forgiven? Why do we need to forgive from the heart? In other words, back to our original question. Why is forgiveness so important? And Jesus, why is it so important to you? And I think here's what Jesus' story is telling us. Our forgiveness reveals our faith. Our forgiveness reveals our faith. It shows us what's really going on in our heart. Not just to to others, but even to ourselves. You see, we're all, as Christians, we're always walking out of the palace of God. Every day, his mercies are new every morning. Every day we're walking out of his throne room and every day he has forgiven us. 10,000 years in hell. And if we walk up to that person who is not manipulating us, not perpetrating, not, not doing those things, but is repentant, is turning, and we are not able to show mercy to them, it means we've forgotten that we just received that forgiveness from God. And when we do that, when we don't show mercy to others, it shows that we We don't get it ourselves. But on the other hand, when we do forgive those who've sinned against us, we are preaching the gospel. We are saying something that we believe cosmically. We believe this this message that God became a human being in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and paid the debt of all people. And when you forgive somebody, you're preaching the gospel to them but probably even more importantly, you're preaching the gospel to yourself. You're reminding yourself what you believe is true about God. But it's not easy. It is not easy to forgive. Even if that person repents, even if they're sincere, it's still not easy to forgive. I want to read to you something from a hero of mine. I've, I've talked about her before, Corey Tenboom. Uh, Corey Tenboom was that, that Dutch Christian who hid Jews uh, during the Nazi occupation of, of, uh, of Denmark. And because she was hiding these Jews and it was found out, Corey and her sister Betsy and really the whole family were taken to a concentration camp where her sister Betsy died and the rest of her family died. But Corey was able to survive, and when the war was over, she was set free. And what Corey did with the rest of her life was that she would go around helping people and and speaking in churches, and, and she always talked about the necessity and the importance of forgiveness. 
except for the time that she had to do it herself. You see, one time she was actually invited to go to Munich, to go to Germany. And as she is preaching on forgiveness, she runs into one of the soldiers, the SS soldiers, who hurt her. And I'll read her words and how she tells it. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that, had, that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. She starts reimagining everything. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, and Betsy, her sister's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to people in Blomendal, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from him to me, from me to him while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When God tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with the command, the love itself. And so Corey said, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. Jesus, lead me to forgive this man who has repented. Only you can do it. Jesus, you died for him. You do it. I can't. It's impossible without God's help. It's impossible without him living inside of us, doing it for us and with us. But also I think it does take practice. And that's what I think that Jesus is leading us to do in this text. Here's the take home. Practice forgiveness. Practice forgiveness. Practice it all the time. And, and I want to you know how, how I've learned a little bit about this and I think I need to relearn it again. When I went through my internship year, I might have told you the story. My pastor, Nathan Strutz, when we were in orientation, he said, you know, when we hurt each other's feelings or we wrong each other. And he says, you know what? In a whole year, we're going to do that a whole lot. When we do that and you say, I'm sorry, we're not going to say things like, oh, it's no big deal or don't worry about it. We're going to say, I forgive you. 
And I thought, oh, that sounds nice. Until I actually had experienced it. I remember the first time it happened. I was late for a meeting and I walk into the meeting and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm late. And he said, I forgive you. And immediately inside of me, I thought, well, I'm not that late. And, you know, it's, we didn't even start the meeting anyways. And it's not that big of a deal, is it? But when he said, I forgive you, it reminded me I actually did something wrong and I needed to be forgiven. And you know what? After the year went on, I actually learned to treasure those times of, of not only receiving forgiveness, but giving forgiveness. Because every time, not only did we acknowledge our sinfulness, but much greater, we were preaching the gospel to each other. And not only that, it, it healed and kept our relationship strong. And he's still a friend to this day. And that was about 12 years ago. And so I think that's what we need to do also to learn to practice forgiveness because every time we forgive one another, we're preaching the gospel of Jesus to others and to each other. We need to redo this and and remember how to do this in in, in our family, in our families, in our churches, in our businesses. Say, I forgive you, or say, I'm sorry and I forgive you. And so could we practice that right here just to see if we even know how to put those words in our mouth? Let's try that. To the person next to you, say, I'm sorry. Say that, right? I'm sorry. Very good. Now, here's the hard one. I want you to say to the person next to you, I forgive you. See, we can say it, right? We can even say it. We can practice it. And I would encourage you to make that your practice in your families, in your church, amongst other people. And it's going to sound weird. It's going to feel weird. You're going to get a little chafed at first when when you say it. But it is how we preach the gospel to ourselves and to one another. And I think when we do, we're not going to choke on those words that Jesus told us how to say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, because we're not going to see it as an obligation. We're not going to see it as, as this thing to dread. We're not going to see it as the law coming crushing down us. We're going to see it as an opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus' substitution and his love. Because when we forgive one another, It reveals our faith, what we believe about God. So forgive one another because forgiveness comes from God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you have asked us to do something impossible, something that only you can do, something that you did 2,000 years ago. You forgave us by making a sacrifice, by sacrificing yourself. And so, Lord God, help us to daily, hourly, go into your throne room where we hear about your splunk nitsomai. We hear about your compassion. Help us to, to feel all the burdens of our sins lifted off our shoulders And then when we run into our fellow man or woman, our fellow servant, our fellow friend, and they ask for forgiveness, we are quick to forgive, to preach the gospel to them and to preach the gospel to our own hearts. Lord God, we cannot do this without you. So lead us to do it. Do it for us. Work it in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Ben. That was great. That's what this series is about, renewed. 
right? Renewing our relationship with God through him and with one another. Just phenomenal, awesome gospel. Let's join together and confess the Christian faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. You'll see those words up on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. It's just uh, another time now for us to connect together. If you haven't already, again, you can go to uh, and just type in victory to 94,000, victory to 94,000, the connection card, prayer request card, all those things are, are right there. This is also an opportunity for our members and regular attenders to, to give an offering if you haven't already, keeping in mind that you can always give safely and securely at votl.life. And as we talk about our offering again the, today, I appreciate again so much your generosity. One of the things that maybe we just take for granted, but it's here because of your generosity is our ministry center, uh, allowing not only opportunities for us to come and, and worship in a warm uh, environment in the wintertime, cool environment in the summertime, but also an opportunity, a spot for our kids to learn about Jesus uh, in the Victory Kids Wing. This is also a ministry hub for our community as we welcome people in, uh, grow people, make disciples of people, and send them out in the community as well. So thank you so much for your generosity. Again, makes a difference not only today, but each and every day of the week. We'll continue our, our worship with this week's video announcements. Hi, I'm Sammy, and here are your announcements for this week. Gathering for worship has come to look different over the last several months for many of us, but it's more important than ever. We've got three different ways that you can join your Victory family to worship our Heavenly Father. The first is, of course, right here at the Ministry Center, where you can come to worship on Sundays at 9 and 1030. You can also jump in our streaming channel at victoryofthelamb.com at the same times. And we've recently updated our YouTube channel to allow you to worship online and find all the resources you need to continue to grow in your faith. When you go to youtube.com slash victory of the lamb, you'll find at the top our most recent service for you to watch wherever and whenever, as well as archive services and resources to help you grow in your faith. We invite you to gather for worship with us however you feel safe and however you're able to right now. Just a reminder, women, we've got our women's gathering coming up this Friday, January 22nd at 6.30 p.m. You can register at votl.life 
by clicking on the women's gathering card. You can also learn more about the speaker, Gina Grove, and the presentation she'll be preparing for us called God's Way to Grow a Life You Love. As always, we encourage you to go to votl.life to grow in your faith, give to support victory, both through serving and financial contributions, and find everything else you're looking for to go with the gospel. That's it for this week. And now we'll continue with our worship service. This morning in our, our prayer time, we have a, n- a number of prayer requests and, and prayer concerns. First of all, for Gail and Jim Whittier at the passing of Gail's father, Norm. Uh, also for Liz as she continues to, our, Liz Shield, our Victory Kids director, as the doctors try to figure out what's going on there as well. And also for Kelsey Kuski, our, our host team leader, uh, who is hospitalized with preeclampsia uh, and uh, with twins. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for the opportunity to, to just bear open our hearts to you and, and know that you come rushing in with your comfort, with your love, with your favor, with your strength. We ask, Lord God, in a, in a very special and, and deep way that you comfort Gail and Jim at the, the passing of Gail's father, Norm. Um, and we just thank you so much for the blessing that Norm was to, to them and to so many people. And in our, our time of grief, we remember Jesus, you, when you grieved at uh, the death of your friend Lazarus. And the, and the people saw your tears and they, they said, see, see how Jesus loved him. And so comfort uh, Gail and Jim, assure them of Norm's victory and their victory through Jesus Christ. Uh, and we thank you, Lord God, that, that you have received Norm into his heavenly mansion and that you're taking great care of him there. We thank you for that, and we look forward to the family reunion that we'll have for all eternity with him there as well. Lord God, we ask that you be with Liz and and all the doctors and, and all those who are watching over her and taking care of her. We ask that you would strengthen her day by day, uh, not only physically, uh, but also mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Lord, we ask for your blessing of, of healing on Liz and, and strength for her as well. And Lord God, too, we, we bring to you Kelsey before you and, and we place her into your arms as well. We ask that you, uh, again, too, be with the doctors and nurses and all who are taking care of her. Uh, we ask that you keep her and the babies from harm and that you deliver to Kelsey and Tyler uh, two healthy and beautiful babies. Lord, we pray all these things and, and all those things that are in our hearts and minds in Jesus' name and join in praying the prayer that you taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And receive with believing hearts the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor 
and give you peace. Amen. If you're able, please stand for our closing song. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.